Well, uh, good evening. There was a little squeak there. Uh, Welcome to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. What's the headphone on the microphone there? My uh, name is Dick Whaley. Let's get rid rid of those headphones. Oh, here we go. (laughs) And uh, I'm Jim Dwyer. Happy Decoration Day, as uh, Grandma used to call it. Yeah, well... Trump is in Japan decorating sumo wrestlers. I'm actually surprised he wasn't entered into the costume. I was kind of hoping he'd get pulled into the, hey, that looks like a lot of fun. Those guys are, I could roll with those big boys. He, he You know, he, he, that he, was one of his big uh, money revenue makers was getting involved in the Worldwide Wrestling Federation many years ago. He and Kim Jong-un should throw down and get in the ring together. That would be a... A lot of fun for those guys on their next sleepover. And you would think that they would have better intelligence. Don't give the president a 75-pound trophy to hand to a giant sumo dude. I guess he had trouble hoisting that puppy. Uh, 75 pounds, by the way. You need two hands on that, but whatever. It's good to know that Trump has uh, got a discount on his hats this weekend. Yeah, you're just telling me about that for Memorial Day weekend. My neighbor told me that one. She said she told me that Trump is uh, offering a discount to vets for uh, Memorial Day weekend on his MAGA hats. You know the red uh, MAGA hats that. Uh, uh, well, they sell for the price of a decent dinner for two. I'll put it put it in those terms. Uh, Whatever. Yeah, you know, if you're sitting on a bunch of hats, you'd think, uh, hey, why not give them to uh, our veterans? As a, this is my a small token of my esteem. Take a free hat, which costs probably 11 cents to make in China. Yeah. and but No, no, I'm going to make a little money off of this. Yeah, well, 25% off for the vets because it's a Memorial Day weekend sale. And one of the most amazing revelations that I discovered this weekend, I've been reading the uh, printed testimony of Michael Cohen, who appeared uh, before the uh, Government Oversight Committee a couple months ago, late March. And he submitted some documents to the committee. And what's remarkable is Trump, in order to bolster his net worth, decided that his brand is worth $4 billion, (laughs) just puts it in the balance sheet. Out of nowhere. Like, what's that based on? And you can also see that he was clearly fudging some other statistics. And he had a bad week. In fact, this might be one of the most decisive weeks in uh, in the Trump administration's uh, entire tenure. You know, it started out with this interesting sort of secret little mini war between China and the United States over Huawei. Um, This is a very interesting story because the Trump administration is trying to claim that China's um, a technological threat to the United States. They're trying to ban uh, technological transfers and they're trying to encourage our European allies to follow suit. Well, how interesting that the night uh, before... Uh, Last Sunday, Google uh, announced that it was going to comply with the Trump um, executive order or whatever it is. It's a proposal. And the very next day, Xi Jinping goes to a rare earth production facility in northern China. 
hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Well, that very same day on Monday, I don't know if you followed this, but the stocks in the NASDAQ that are particularly dependent on sales to China plummeted. Mm -hmm. Not a little bit. I mean, like Qualcomm was down 7.7%, and it turns out they derive 65% of their revenue from uh, China. I'm sure these corporate executives got on the phone with Trump and said, you better reconsider that because we sell a lot of stuff to China. If they don't buy it, where are we going to sell it? We're not talking about just Qualcomm. We're talking about several major technology companies that's actually one of the strengths of the American economy. Well, if you'll notice, Trump <clears throat> walked it back. 90 more days of ex you know extended uh, <clears throat> dealing with Huawei. And where that ends up and how that transpires over the next couple months, um, don't uh, be surprised if it ends in a uh, parting of the sea, so to speak, because China is uh, defying the United States, by the way, on the Iran oil uh, embargo. They're saying, nah, we're going to keep buying oil from Iran. And by the way, so is Japan. Yeah, I've you know I've been sort of saying for years as somebody who follows Iranian politics and and this long-standing rivalry between the United States and Iran, you know, as a as a point of interest, just personally, uh, I've been suggesting for years that if the United States keeps this sort of wrong-headed, backwards-looking approach towards dealing with the and now by now it's been various uh, governments of Iran some more moderate, some more harsh than others. Uh, it's it's likely these long-term policy decisions to force a, a new economic and perhaps even military alliance between Iran and China and possibly India. Mm -hmm. um, it's just uh, the way geopolitics works. Um, these are regional uh, countries that form a, a natural alliance in a number of different ways. And uh, the United States is going to paint itself right into a corner. I mean, I, I still largely believe that Trump's recent bellicosity over Iran is just another shiny object held up to distract from. I, I, I really don't think that people should worry about it. There's an imminent threat of war with Iran. It's mostly just a lot of hot air and noise. Uh, but again, it's just consistently this sort of ignorant approach to dealing with uh, this country with whom the United States uh, has a, a long legacy of betrayal. You know, the reason sure. that the Iranian revolution played out the way it did is because of one of the CIA's uh, successes was the 1953 overthrow of the popularly elected government of Iran. That's where it all started. Yeah, and there are other interesting things developing <clears throat> in recent months. Uh, I noticed that Germany's exports to China went up 5% in the month of March. So Trump has been outmaneuvered on a lot of this uh, this sort of uh, trade war that, he's, that he keeps thinking he can win with China. I think it's a loser in the long run. Globalism is easy to talk against, but it's it's a thing. It's it's you can't just undo it. You can't undo you it. You need and, to sell things to China, sure. and you know you need to buy things from them. It's that's the way the world works. That's the way the world works, and uh, it's interesting that 
Abe, the prime minister of Japan, Trump is over in Japan for some strange reason. Suppose he's going to be there in a month anyway. Um, but of course, he wants to be the first leader to meet the new emperor. Um, and I also think he wanted to get out of town because he had a bad week. Uh, he got clobbered in court twice, twice on finances, including the fact that Deutsche Bank is uh, is uh, going to comply with the subpoenas on the financial records. And then at the end of the week, um, a judge out in California ruled that Trump's uh, diversion of money, ironically, from the American military to the wall project in Mexico, in Texas-Mexican border, is unconstitutional. Now, he hasn't made a final ruling, but he has slapped an injunction on Trump and his plans. And this continues a pattern of Trump losing in court. People don't talk about this enough. But, you know, it's interesting, just a couple of months ago, uh, over the uh, at the end of March, um, a decision was issued by uh, Sharon Gleason of the United States District Court in Alaska, which concluded that Obama's 2015 and 2016 withdrawal from drilling in the Arctic, about 120 million Arctic Ocean acres, will, quote, remain in full force and effect unless and until revoked by Congress. Trump had issued an executive order. This judge decided that that was an overreach, that the president can take Arctic land and protect it, but they can't just unilaterally open it up. Only Congress can do that. And we saw even at the end of the week with the uh, <clears throat> arms sales to Saudi Arabia um, and the UAE. Right, that are bypassing Congress by going through a third country. Yeah. And this raises further questions about <clears throat> Donald Trump's understanding of the Constitution and some of these issues involving separation of powers, because even the Republicans are uh, somewhat opposed to the Saudi situation. And we should not forget, by the way, that our American arms are involved in probably the worst human rights situation in the world right now in Yemen. Yemen. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I think that the uh, intelligence people overstate Iran's role with the Houthis, by the way. Look at the geography. How would Iran be able to get supplies uh, to the Houthis? The United States military uh, navy controls the, the the Red Sea, Horn of Africa area. Iran can't possibly trek supplies through Saudi Arabia on land. Or via air over the peninsula. So you even have to wonder about this incident in the Persian Gulf, which is, of course, on the other side of the Saudi-Yemen-Omani peninsula. Um, who was behind that? General Mulvaney, I thought I was the only one authorized to go to war. Well, all the facts aren't quite in yet, but it looks like Pompeo and Bolton may have exceeded their authority. Because <laughs> you got to wonder what's going on. You know, Trump is trying to play the good cop in this case. It's very strange. It's almost surreal.
Where's Bolton with his mustache and his... And then, of course, Trump today assures us that Kim Jong-un is going to behave himself. Oh, those missile tests are... They don't scare me. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, continuing to... It's a new train set that uh, he's playing with. Oh, that's fine. He's just messing around. So I think that Trump, uh, with those early defeats in court pulled that stunt on Nancy Pelosi in the middle of the week. You know, the Chuck and Nancy show. That was sort of a rerun of the Oh, where of he the invites December. them over and then has a Storms out, yeah. alternate plan where like, oh, they think we're going to sit down and meet him, but I'm going to turn this thing around right. and, and make a moment out of it. And the moment that he makes is to appear yet again like a petulant a-hole. <laughs> Lo and behold, much to my disgust and probably many listeners as well, a day or two later, all the faithful uh, cabinet uh, devotees and appointees line up sure, and do the hostage video scenario where, oh, you didn't have a temper tantrum. You were calm, cool, and collected. I've seen you angry, but you were just cool as a cucumber. Oh, Mr. President, mm-hmm. it's, it's an honor to serve you. Right. And just to... Uh, Oh, my God. Right out of the Manchurian candidate. Right. I mean, how can grown adults behave in this way? Well, Trump obviously pulled the stunt because he had the podium all set up with his Outdoors, little right. his yeah. chart about no collusion. <laughs> Which had nothing to do with infrastructure. No. And the infrastructure, I don't even know what to call it. It's ruse, a charade. Uh, the Republicans in the Senate are not going to go along with any giant infrastructure program. Uh, Trump should have done infrastructure in the first couple of weeks of his presidency. At this point, if he had done that, he might he might have gotten somewhere with his whole presidency. But no, right. he had to be uh, screaming about the inauguration uh, crowd, uh, issuing uh, travel bans, uh, getting all huffy and puffy about Flynn, and I'm still going on about Hillary. <laughs> still going on about Hillary and trying to assure the public that there were millions of fraudulent votes. I mean, at this point, though, realistically speaking, I don't think the Republicans in the Senate are going to do anything at all. No. Of any kind. I mean, they may as well just set up the cardboard cutout of themselves and go fishing because they've all but announced via Mitch McConnell that, uh, no, we pretty much... uh, we don't want to all these bills that the House are passing. We're not going to consider any of them. Uh, we're not going to think about uh, any of these investigations. They've just have signed off. And they're going to try and portray this as this charade where Nancy and Chuck, Chuck and Nancy, whatever, are the villains. When, in fact, they're actually genuinely interested in passing some sort of an infrastructure bill. Um, but the president... Uh, is, is is confused. I mean, when he gets into the tiff over the intervention, I thought that was hilarious. Nancy Pelosi, I'm praying for the president. <laughs> she blazes him pretty consistently, which is, you know, uh, 
kind of enjoyable. He got taken to the playground and punched in the nose by Nancy Pelosi last week. A couple week. times, yeah. She pulled his shirt right up over his head and wailed on him. But the fact that, I mean, obviously there's been many videos circulated of these slowed down tapes. Of oh, altered tapes, yeah. Talking as well. And you, know, you play a tape like that of anybody slowed down and sure they sound like they're... Uh, and it's funny. And, it, you know, if somebody at your workplace forwards you a tape of that, you might laugh at it or whatever. But that's beneath the dignity of the office. And it's a forgery. himself. It's fakery. It's forgery. Yeah. Put something like that on his social media feed. I mean, th- come on. Well, it's going to, you know, keep the <clears throat> the faithful in line. But uh, they're already in line. And, and mm-hmm. I don't think... There's going to be much movement uh, one way or another, uh, regardless of how any of this turns out. I think it's interesting that Hope Hicks is uh, going to presumably be testifying in a couple of weeks uh, to the House Judiciary Committee. Don McGahn's uh, uh, assistant. She was, you know, she was one of the few people. Her name is slipping my mind. Came off. Um, well, she was a longtime assistant for Trump, but Hope it's Hicks. Hope Hicks. Yeah. Um, during the campaign and the transition, she was part of the so-called communications team, whatever that means. Um, but she apparently was one of the few people in the white house that could get him to calm down, but she cooperated quite extensively with Mueller and her and Don McGahn come out pretty good in the Mueller report. In terms of the fact that they were not willing to lie for the president, they were willing to accurately portray this these attempts to obstruct justice, and I think that's where uh, these investigations are ultimately headed. Uh, I think it's going to take a long time, but I just want to disabuse Donald Trump of the notion that there's a coup d'état uh, somehow brewing in Washington involving the deep state, or that. <laughs> People like Andrew McCabe or James Comey have committed treason yeah. by investigating the numerous connections that a then political candidate had to Russia. And I don't know if tre- the legal definition of treason is very, very specific clear. and yeah. clear. And Trump is the one that might be uh, <laughs> involved in it. A we closer to it. It might be fascinating if he opens up all these FBI and CIA files to find out what was the origin of the Russian investigation. Well, Barr will just cherry pick what gets released as far as that goes. And he doesn't have any credibility at this point. So I think that's another uh, loser that makes no sense uh, other than it's further evidence of Trump trying to obstruct justice. Mm Um, But the fact of the matter is Trump is not going to be removed. I mean, while he's in Japan, perhaps uh, he he should uh, Shanghai one of the sumo wrestlers and go watch some kabuki theater because he would would discover that, yes, they might impeach Trump, but they're not going to be able to remove him. Uh, That requires a two-thirds vote in the Senate. There's no coup d'etat. Uh, involved here. This is, um, you know, impeachment is a very difficult situation. Um, There's just no evidence of it. I I think that there's a genuine effort by uh, 
the House Judiciary Committee. Um, and in fact, you know, the J- Justin Amash uh, proclamation. Republican, yeah. The first Republican to kind of uh, jump off the sinking uh, rat ship of, of Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, to you know, find out more information, get get to the bottom of the facts, and you know the misinterpretation of political events never ceases to amaze me. Last night, you know that we we finally got results in from the European uh, parliamentary elections. Ah, yes, and that's very interesting stuff. But the media is sort of overstating what really happened. Uh, Germany. Saw the the Deutschland, uh, the AFD right wing party actually lose some support. The Swedes, the Germans, the the, the Dutch, uh, and other countries actually reaffirmed the efficacy of the EU. The three countries that sort of went and 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 by the way, the Eastern European countries that were formerly fascist states before they were communist states. True like Romania and Hungary. Um, who cares about them? They're, they don't play a big economic role in the e- EU. Uh, Germany, France, Italy, Spain, and formerly Great Britain are, are, the, and, are, are the movers and the shakers. Sweden, by the way, is, is slightly um, got a, its, its economy is slightly bigger than Austria's. We hear a lot about the Austrian right wing. Um, tendencies and the fact that their government is now involved in a scandal involving bribery involving Russia. You know, one of these Austrian nationalists Mm. caught on tape uh, promising to make deals with Putin. Uh, Many of these nationalist parties, by the way, are split on the Russian question. Some of them are pro-Putin and some of them are anti-Putin. So what Putin is involved in is creating all this disarray. And we know that France and Great Britain are completely unique situations. Um, We know, for instance, that the Conservative Party finished fifth in these EU elections in Great Britain. Where did their votes go? Well, to Nigel Farage and his clownish Brexit party that he just invented— have a milkshake. Have a milkshake. We're leaving the EU anyway. So who cares if Brexit got 25% of the vote or whatever they got, the Brexit party in Britain. The real important thing is that the Greens did better in Germany, in other European countries. They're taking votes from the social, the, 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 the socialists, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And some of these right-wing parties are taking votes from... The Christian Democrats and the slightly right of center parties. But these parties are not going to form coalitions with far right fanatics. The Greens are going to perhaps be the beneficiary of this. Remember that Germany and uh, under Schroeder had a red green coalition. That's right. They opposed the Iraq war quite openly, as did the French. Now, France was led by a conservative Gaullist-type candidate, uh, uh, President Chirac. But the conservatives in France are not anything like American conservatives. kind of want to emphasize this point. You know, I read a really interesting article 
um, from the, let's see here, December 20th edition of the New York Review of Books about the new French right, which goes into the details of Marion Michel, the the niece of Marine Le Pen, mm-hmm. the granddaughter. She's the new kind of media star there. And this is kind of what the uh, French right really believes. I want to emphasize this. Uh, Mark Lilia is talking about the intellectual background of the French right. And he's pointing out that they predictably reject the European Union, same-sex marriage, and mass immigration. But they also reject unregulated global financial markets, neoliberal austerity, genetic modification, consumerism, and AGFAM. Apple, Google, Facebook, Amazon, Microsoft. The tech giants, yeah. The tech giants. So this is actually what French conservatism is. That's the direction it's headed in. And what he does in this uh, interesting essay is he points out that the Catholic Church in France is playing a role in this sort of anti-Macron vote. So the fact that the new right, quote-unquote, did a little better than Macron in the uh, French European parliamentary elections is an interesting fact, but when they when he ran for president, Marine Le Pen only got 33% of the vote. They're not gaining power. They're cre- generating a lot of noise, and the power is still in the center, even though the center is slowly eroding. And the green agenda in Europe is way different. You know, they're, they're more internationalists. They want to see radical economic reorganization of Europe in their own way. and <clears throat> With a greater concern for things like climate shift. Climate shift and, like the right there, sort of rampant consumerism mm-hmm. and, um, you know, energy production. How, how uh, for instance, Merkel in Germany is is being called the task for the continued uh, uh, reliance on on coal. So many of these European, quote-unquote, pro-European nation-states in Europe, and they're split all over the map, it's like 28 states. It's sort of like comparing liberals in Ann Arbor to liberals in Alabama. Those are very different liberals, probably. Some overlap, but significant uh, differences. Significant differences, and the same is true of conservatism. Uh, you know, we America has different regional um, <clears throat> cultural impacts on our political reality, no question about it. Uh, regionalism has been a big factor throughout American political history, uh, dating back to the original founders, you know, the, the battle between Massachusetts and Virginia with Pennsylvania kind of in the middle and New York kind of in the middle, uh, a little more uh, pro-Massachusetts until the, you know, the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees started playing <laughs> baseball. But that's another story. So these are interesting results, but let's not overstate what happened here. The EU parliament in Brussels is a kind of a debating society. 
And there's lots of factions. It's, it's not like America where there's two parties and each party has wings. Of course, the Republican Party seems to be a one-legged stool. Uh, it's going nowhere. It's a pogo stick. Um, a broken pogo stick that with, just goes down. With Trump <laughs> bouncing up and down, uh, going nowhere. But keep an eye on this Huawei uh, battle over the next couple of weeks. Um, these rare earth elements, by the way, are not easy to obtain, be obtained. We rely, for instance, on titanium from Russia. So this, this alliance that's been developing in the last couple of years between Putin and Xi Jinping uh, with the United States, the odd man out, is another important global development. Mm -hmm. And Trump is losing. Any uh, last second thoughts about the Stanley Cup? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you know, uh, 10 days off for Boston is not a good thing. And uh, the St. Louis Blues have never won the Stanley Cup before, so I'm personally going to root for them. Partly just for that, uh, there's some really interesting storylines amongst the player. They were That team was in last place in the NHL at the beginning of January of this year. And they turned it around and made it into the playoffs, and now they're in the Stanley Cup Finals. There are some great players on Boston's team, but uh, just for uh, Marchant and his uh, face-licking thing last year, <laughs> I'll never be able to forgive him for that. I think the league really messed up by not fining him for that. thought that was a grotesque and uh, egregious personal assault on players. I know you're trying to get in the head of players uh, on the other team. There are uh, good ways to be an irritant. Uh, that's just beyond the pale. So uh, I, I'm rooting against Boston, but it should be an entertaining uh, series. I yeah, think. probably a little closer than the basketball. I think Toronto would have to pull a major upset <clears throat> to win that. But uh, <clears throat> I'm going to root for St. Louis just on the grounds that they've never won. Tarasenko could be the man to watch. Yeah, like I said, there's a couple of good storylines. Uh, he's a uh, team. he's a devastating star at times. So uh, yeah, enjoy the hockey and the basketball finals. Uh, we're out of time down here on Gray Matters. We'd like to thank Tex Mannheim for engineering this evening. He uh, can be heard on Saturdays uh, quite regularly, either on the uh, Bill Monroe for Breakfast show at ten ten to twelve, or the Down Home show from twelve to three for programming. That's uncomparable. Saturday's WCBN, FM, Ann Arbor's lineup, second to none. Hey, enjoy the rest of your evening uh, here on Memorial Day. And uh, get back and enjoy Jimmy Mack and Susan Collin coming up next. And go blue. Z I want to thank my mommy for loving me so much. For, for taking, taking me to the doctor when I broke my foot. For leaving me alone when I wanted to be alone. And, and now, as a grown-up, I'm thankful for being able to take care of you, my dear mom. For taking you to your therapies. For understanding that sometimes you simply want to be alone. Roles change without us noticing. That's why AARP gives you the information to provide even better care for your loved one. Visit aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.
board and take a musical journey through the history of Jamaican music. I'm Brian Thompson. Join me as we listen to ska, rock, steady, and early reggae music every Tuesday from 7 to 8 p.m. on the train to Skaville, right here on WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor.